and, and step um, into this. Here we go. Let me just, I'm trying to get my uh, iPad to work here. Not that I really need it, but I, um, here we go. Um, if you're joining us online, thank you for joining us online. Last week I spoke about the, uh, the whole area of, of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I spoke about the idea that, that Jesus' revolution, the Jesus' revolution that changes lives, the Jesus' revolution that comes to impact our hearts, this Jesus' revolution has been unstoppable. He was simply amazing in what Jesus achieved in three years of ministry. Jesus, of course, did the impossible, walked on water. Turned water into wine, raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick, the Jesus revolution. He amazed people. Whether guys were lowered through a roof, whether the lepers came to him, the Jesus revolution was indeed unstoppable completely. He went for those who were lost, alone, broken, whether it was a woman at a well or a tax collector at a tax booth. It didn't matter if they were lonely, if they were lost, this Messiah would come into their lives and change their lives. He would reach the condemned, those that were condemned and felt on the margins of society. Indeed, Jesus today is continuing to move and to work in the same power and the same strength. Last Sunday morning, straight after service, I'm sure... uh, uh, Heather won't mind me saying, but straight after service, a, a, a younger mum ran up to me who'd never given her life to Jesus Christ and, and said, and he said, I now realize and I see. And with tears and a wonderment, she invited the Lord Jesus Christ into her life to be saved, which um, that's what Jesus does. And uh, we're aiming that next weekend she'll be baptized. Uh, so, you know, what's up with you? Nothing. Let's do it right here. There's a river. Let's get down into the river and get baptized. Well, we don't have a river. Uh, well, we do, but it's a bit shallow. Um, but we have a baptismal tank. If you want to get baptized next week, see Pastor Steve. Get into your uh, mentorship uh, baptism class and we'll get you baptized if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and have confessed your sins and received him as Lord and Savior. Step into the waters of baptism so you can begin the, as it were, the ordination of the priest of believers. Begin that period of your life where you live as a minister for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And for those of you who've been baptized and you're not living the way you should, please live according to the calling that God has put on your life. The ministry that God has called to you to do. So the Jesus revolution is always moving. The Jesus revolution is powerful. The Jesus revolution at its core is driven by prayer. Teach us to pray. I said, our Father who art in heaven. And I spoke last week about the power of those words, our Father, linking them to Exodus chapter 4, verse 23, when God said, let my son go. The first time he speaks of his people in powerful fatherly terms and says, I am the Father, these are my people, they are in slavery. I have come with my servant Moses to liberate my people from slavery. 
And ever since that point, through the power of the gospel, God has been liberating lives. It's a message of liberation. The prayer is a message of liberation. It comes and it changes our hearts and our lives. It's a message that comes and says, I'm liberating you from the anxiety of worry because he will provide your daily bread. It's a prayer that liberates you from the tyranny of unforgiveness because he says, we forgive those who have sinned against us and we bring forgiveness and we release debts. It heals our bitter hearts. It's a prayer that brings power for the kingdom of God to come and the lordship of Christ. You are in no better position than when you surrender your whole life to Christ and say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is a prayer that brings that profound sense in our darkest, deepest battles where Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that the Lord will protect us from the evil of this world. He will surround us. He loves us. So our Father, the very term, has a liberating sense. We are a liberated people. Do you feel liberated? It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful to feel the liberation. Matthew says, 6, 7 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, they believed that by their doing and by their muttering and by their little endless words that they will get what they want. And the, the, the pagans at that time and the people used to pray, 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 mutter, 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 and try and, 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 and get God to kind of um, give in. So the more I can pray, the more I can say, the more I can mutter, the more I can go for it, then God will go, I give in. Now, some of you know that with children, that they can go, 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 go. What about this? What about that? What about this? Dad, what about this? What about this? My throat hurt. This happens. This is going on. And you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it works. Oh, yes, you can have it. Yes. But you see, it's irritating, but he's saying, listen, you don't have to, it's not what you do, 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 it's who you are, and it's who I am to you. And who is God the Father to you? He says, our Father, who art in heaven, and this phrase, Abba, surprising to his hearers, of course I made a little... uh, that we've emphasized the Abba so much that we lose the liberation and the exodus nature of the prayer. But, but I want to spend some time and, and talk about the Abba nature. This phrase, Father, we need to really, truly experience God as Daddy. 
as father to really enter in to a point of prayer. Because the word that is used here, of course, is profoundly intimate. It is profoundly close. It is a relationship between father and son, father and child. It is Abba, father, daddy, father. And in that relationship, it's not about how much we say, how much we do, pleasing God, pleasing God, pleasing God all the time. It's about a loving relationship where you know that God the father loves you and cares for you and is interested in you. We need to experience God as our dad to pray effectively. This can be very freeing for many of us. It can be very freeing because we can now see the heart of the creator God as a heart of a loving father. Indeed, every one of us needs to see the heart of a loving father. But I also know that our lives are fraught with difficult relationships with our earthly father. And this doesn't always make it easy for many of us. We may have had an earthly father that is distant, vacant. We may have had an earthly father that you were always desperate to get love and affection from, and it never quite met. You may have had an earthly father that was indeed not present in the slightest, and you were abandoned as a family. I would say that in some ways I have father issues. I've had to work those through. I've had to try and understand how that works for a father who has suffered with anxiety and and depression and has battled that. And then how he engages with a son who is eager, enthusiastic and present. And how that makes me feel. But I think... We have to understand that when we find the gospel and we are adopted into the kingdom of God, we have to relearn our lessons and we have to understand that the Father's heart for every one of his children is one that he loves us, that he cares for us, and that he has welcomed us. And your Father in heaven is interested in your life. And when you know that God is interested in your life, this revolutionizes your prayer life. It revolutionizes your walk with God. You step into this most profound and wonderful place of intimacy, of closeness. Adoption is the gospel. Adoption exists because we live in a broken world and people are in pain and they are lost. And physically you yourself may have been adopted, many people are. And you have traveled that because the world is broken. But what the gospel does, it adopts all of us because Know it or not, in this world that is broken, in this world that is messy, God has a mission of adoption. And what God desires, he's the great big father in heaven who wants to adopt the broken-hearted children of this world. Our God loves this world and his mission is to adopt us. And salvation is a work of adoption. And that's why for those of you who adopt... And have fosters. 
and have lived and worked in that sector and you support out of a calling, you are the most beautiful, most bravest, most inspiring individuals I know as you take other people's babies into your home and care for them. Isn't that amazing? And doesn't that reflect the heart of God the Father, God the Adopter, Daddy who's in heaven, who comes? We're uncomfortable with this phrase, I know. Because it feels... But there's a level of intimacy that comes through the power of the gospel that enables us to pray to God because God cares for us. But the problem is... And uh, Rose Miller, in her brilliant book, talks about this, about the spirit of orphans. Is that, and she compares uh, a way that we live and the hurt that orphans feel. And I've met orphans, of course. We support orphanages. We support orphanages and you support children around the world. But the very heart of a spiritual orphan often reflects the reality of what physical orphans can go through. Different ways. But she points out in her book that, that an orphan is, is somebody that first of all has this deep sense that they have to always care for themselves. That they have to care for themselves and organize things and, and care. Because nobody's going to care for them. They've got to care for themselves. And, and, and when you go to places like Nairobi and different areas in the developing world. And you see and in India and in Delhi. And I've been there and, and seen orphans and street children. You can see that their lives are completely consumed hideously with a, with a sense of, I've got to care for myself. I've got to have this area, this mat, and it breaks our hearts to see. And, and, and we you know, hear of, of wonderful stories like that. It was uh, about a uh, uh, lion, was it? The, the, the boy that was lost and ended up adopted in Australia and found his original mother. And, and as we saw that harrowing story unfold on the silver screen, we saw that, that they have to, you know, care for yourself always. An orphan also uh, will always be very protective will want to always, because there is danger out there, create a wall, a shield wall, if you like. A wall that surrounds them and makes it present. And this is heartbreaking because they know that dangers do come. And so somebody that is, that is alone in life becomes very protective. And then thirdly, they... They, they, they believe that they have to be strong all the time. They have to always push forward. They have to be strong all the time. And, and, and fourthly, they, they believe that, that even when they're welcomed into a family, they often fight against that family. Because they can't believe that they are loved and accepted and suddenly there. So they want to be involved in that family. But then there's a battle that takes place. But you know, we are all spiritual orphans. We've all been lost in sin and death. We've all been lost in the wilderness of this world. And we are all now, as orphans, have been adopted into the kingdom of God by where we pray, our Father who art in heaven. 
And yet there is a danger in our Christianity that we have a pauper's mentality and an orphan spirit that we approach our Christianity from a position of an orphan rather than a position from a child of the living God. You see, as a spiritual orphan, you might say to yourself, yes, I believe in God, but I have to care for myself. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have my faith, but God doesn't really care for me. And yet it's different between a spiritual orphan and a child of the living God is that when the Lord Jesus says he knows the sparrow that falls to the ground and cast your cares on me because I care for you and the, and the seed will not go begging, what he is saying is you have a father in heaven that will care for for you in this world and beyond. And if you are living your life anxious always to care for yourself, that is an orphan spirit rather than being a child of the king. For Jesus said, look at the birds of the air in Matthew chapter 6. They do not spin or sow, and yet your heavenly father cares for them. How much more does your heavenly father care for you? And it's so easy to slip into a mentality of being a pauper rather than being a prince or a daughter in the kingdom of God. Secondly, we we feel we have to be defensive. And so we become defensive in our attitude. We become defensive in our approach. We, We develop bad habits. Defense systems that push people away. We put up shields because we think they're going to hurt us. And yet a child of God is somebody that is liberated, that becomes free. Often what happens as an orphan, you learn in an orphan spirit, you learn to use your words to hurt people. You don't have to, not strong enough to fight back, but sarcasm and, 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 and a cutting word and a humorous, hurtful comment can cut to the heart because you feel you have to defend yourself. But the difference between an orphan and a child of God is the child of God blesses. A child of God encourages. A child of God is willing to step in and to think good of others. A child of God does not create a wall. A child of God says, God is with me. And the Lord says to you as a child of God, I am your shield. I am your fortress. I am your rock. I am your deliverance. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. You were once an orphan, but now I stand over you and I protect you. That's what he does for you. And so there's this battle because I am an orphan spiritually. I've become a son. But now I mustn't live like a pauper, a lost one. I must now live in the reality that I am a child of the living God. That affects the way I pray. It affects the way I share. You know, I've always got to be strong Always got to be strong. No, no, no. What does scripture teach us? In your weakness, you will be strong. I will be made strong in you. 
And, I, and an orphan spirit is always, I've got to be strong. I've got to manage this. I've got to do this. And yet the very heart of the nature of Christ is that we give up our strength. We surrender our weakness. And we say, Lord, I need your power to do this. I need it. I need your strength. And we are now invited as orphans who become children of God orphans of sin, but now we've been invited into the family of God. We are now invited in. And yet, like often the reaction of those who are orphaned, I'm told, they can fight against the people that they love. I see that in the church. People get very upset with each other. They're living not in an honoring way, not in a blessing way, but they can, they can get very frustrated. They can be very, very angry. They can, they can dislike this. I, you know, it's, it happens to me as a pastor. People misunderstand me. How could that be? I'm a very nice person. I honestly love Jesus. But you know, I might pull up on the car park and I pull up in my, uh, I was going to say my parking space. I don't have a parking space, uh, and which is at times fun because I park so often here in different places I forget where I put my car. It's like, anyway, I know it's, uh, how could you? But I do. And I'm at the front, it's out there, and it's going. So I park and I slam my door and I run through the corridor and you're there and you go, hello, Pastor Phil, how are you? And I go, yeah, very well, thank you. And I walk on. And you go, hmm. He wasn't very nice, was he? Pastor Phil. Hmm, wonder what's wrong with him. Looks a bit grumpy. Hmm. I wonder. Hmm, It's probably because I didn't volunteer for the coffee rotor that Pastor Steve put together. He probably knows about that. (sighs) Well... Well, he'd just have to suck it up, won't he? He can be grumpy with me all he wants, but I couldn't do the coffee rotor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hmm. And then you start to think like an orphan, spiritually, not like a, kid, like a, a prince or a child. Hmm, I don't like him. Hmm. Maybe I won't come to church next week. Let's see. Let's see if he notices. Let's see if he calls. Oh, yes, he's, oh, I, oh, I have never liked him. You know, he's got an accent, you know. And, oh, yeah, 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 with his, you know, fancy, fancy Buick. <laughs> his fancy Lasabia. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I think I'll try another church. All set there, yeah. Now I've got out of the car, just come from conducting a funeral, and I've heard the I'm running late, which can often happen. And I've shut the door, I've come into the corridor, and I know I've got an appointment with a couple who are having marriage problems. And I'm 10 minutes late, and I'm running down the corridor, and you're stood there, and I go, Hello, I'm inside, I'm joyous to see you. But my face hasn't worked that out. <laughs> and I go right upstairs into this couple where they're, they're, it's World War Three, And you're worrying because you don't think I like you. Isn't that the heart of an orphan rather than the heart 
of a child of God. Because a child of God learns to live and to bless and to think positively. And if it really bothers you, you should simply go, hey, I observed you were grumpy. Is that because I didn't do the coffee? And at that moment, I may laugh. Uh, but in, in a lovely way. <laughs> and then you do leave the church. Uh, but Pastor Phil laughed in my face. What am I trying to say? I'm saying when you're a child of the king and not an orphan, we live differently, we think differently. You're not caring yourself because the king of kings is watching out for you. You don't have to be defensive. Why? Because the Lord's shield is above you. You don't have to feel like you need to be the one always strong because Christ will minister to you in your weakness. You don't have to reject people around you because you have been fully, fully accepted into the family of God, you are now a child of the King, whereby you pray, our Father, my Father. And the biggest gift you can have is to know that you've got a Father who loves you. Often an orphan spirit is even in work life and in society we feel like outsiders. Never really fit in the office. Never really there. But you see, what the Christ wants to do in our heart is to stop us feeling like outsiders and realize that you are the most loved, the most cared for, the most supported individual because you were once an orphan roaming the streets of this broken, sinful world and you've been welcomed into his presence. So an orphan often becomes self-consumed. So you've got a heavenly father that is committed to you. You've got a heavenly father that is attentive to you. You've got a heavenly father who loves you. And you've got a heavenly father who has time for you. Something... For some of us, our dads never had for us. I get that. Why do you think I run so many healing retreats and ministry retreats so that we can really discover we need to experience God as dad to pray effectively. And so we live like an orphan or as a child. Matthew says, when will you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. You don't have to do, 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 do. You can be. You can be and know that you don't need to prove or do to be accepted by the love of Father, but he loves you and accepts you the way that you are. What are you, an orphan or a child? I am... A child, but I live like an orphan, like I have no loving father. You do have a loving father. You have a father that cares for you. You have a father that is interested in you. It's okay not to be okay. God is not in love with the future version of you. God is in love with you right now. He loves you, whatever age you are. 
See, it's all about this theologically, as I, the child's position, our Father who art in heaven. And I've tried to illustrate the difference of thinking, and we have to train ourselves to think differently. Look at this beautiful scripture. I love it. But to all who did receive him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's you and me. That's me. I have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I have now become a child of God. What a beautiful, powerful. I mean, if you just memorize that and meditate it or stick it around and say it to yourself every day, you will believe he gave the right to become children of God. And Galatians picks it up in the most profound way for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. Through faith, you are all, all of us. And it's generic, of course, sons, it's men, women. There is neither slave or Jew, male or female, he says in Galatians, that we are all equal under God and around the cross and that we are all sons of God this morning. We are all loved and accepted. We are all that whereby we are adopted into sonship. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Our Father. Daddy, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Because we are heirs, we can pray. Because we are heirs, we know God is with us. Because we are heirs, we know God protects us. Because we are heirs, we know God surrounds us. Because we are heirs, we don't have to be defensive. Because we are heirs, we can know that we fit in. Because we are loved children of God. It's the power of the gospel. But this scripture links directly And Paul knows the way he's writing in Galatia and the Roman Empire and the language he's using is is so clear. Relates directly to the ancient Roman practice. Roman citizens were the most powerful people on the planet. There was Roman citizens and there was everybody else. That's why they had such a problem with the Apostle Paul because he was actually a Roman citizen and so they couldn't just get rid of him. These are Roman citizens were the most powerful. They perhaps, you know, for every one person in Rome, there were 10 slaves. All around the Roman Empire, it was ruled by this elite class. And at the very center of it, the Roman Empire was ruled probably with about 600 key people. Just like the United States or any great, uh, or China being really ruled by 600 key people, the influencers, and, and beyond that were the citizens, and they had these rights. And when you had the right as a citizen, so much came with that, so much position, so much land, so much inheritance, so much that you had, that you were the cream of the crop, you were at the top. But when a Roman leader, man, 
did not have a son, there was a tradition and a practice that he would look amongst all his slaves, amongst all the orphans, and he would choose an orphan and bring him to his home, and he would raise him as his own son. And that son would inherit the right of citizenship, the right of being an heir. That son would inherit all the riches and the wealth and the position and the power of being once a slave and now a child of the household. And that's you and me. We were once a slave. We were once lost. We were, we were orphaned in the mess of sin and darkness. But the gospel came. Christ rescued us. He liberated us. He took me as an orphan, broken, twisted, hurting, lost in the wilderness of life. And I said, I choose you. Come. And I raise you as my son. I raise you as my daughter. And you are now a child of the living God, whereby you cry, Abba, Father. That should change your prayer life. That should change your life. And so many of us live. And I can live like it. Simply live as a hired servant. And not living as a son. Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? It also has an exodus feel to it of liberation. Of slavery in the pig pen and being brought into the promised land. And yet who complains in the story? It's the older son. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're throwing a party. A a, a fatted calf. Well, you've never thrown a fatted calf for me. I want a party. I'm upset. He's living and talking like a hired servant, the older son is. And you want to say to the hired son, you want a fatted calf. Don't you realize that you're the older son and you've been consistent? You own the farm. And many of us are so bothered about this, the fatted calf, that we forget that we own the farm. Don't you? You forget that. That you are a daughter, that you're a son, and that you own the farm. It's all yours. You've been adopted. So many layers to that story. And so I encourage you this morning to live like a child of God. To pray like a child of God. To see God in heaven as your father. And that whatever you are facing in your life, your Father loves you. Our Father. Next time, I'll be talking about thy kingdom come. Oh, it gets better. It ramps up. <laughs> it's going to be good. This great truth of the kingdom of God in the world. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, let's stand together. Just pause for a moment. Maybe you've wandered into Willow Park Church and you realize that you are living like a hired servant 
in your Christianity, living like a pauper, living like an orphan. First of all, I'd ask you to think, or maybe you're not even a child of God, I'd ask you to think, are you willing to become a Christian? You're willing to come into the family of God. Do you feel the heart quickening, the change that you're thinking, I want this, I want God the Father to be my Father in heaven. Just think about that for a moment. Or you're a Christian, you're so far away, there's time that you rediscover you're the prodigal son, now it's time to run back to the arms of the Father. But can I just say, I... I'd like to say a little prayer before I do this for all the orphans in the world. I've talked about spiritual orphanage, pain, but my heavenly Father, I know that there are so many lost orphans in this world physically. We try and do our bit, But we pray, Lord, and sometimes I don't even know how to pray for the orphans in this world. All I do is groan when I read and listen to the reports in Syria and the reports in the Congo, Sudan. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the orphans of this world have mercy. We long for the coming of the kingdom that will bring peace upon this earth. We pray for our two orphanages in India that you will bless them, prosper them. I pray for those families here that adopt families, other children. They have grace beyond I can imagine at times. And I pray that you'll bless every family who has the heart of physical adoption. And for every one of us, we've blended families where we've had to adopt people from other families and blend together. We pray, give us grace with the heart of adoption and love on us, Lord Jesus. So bless all these people. Bless the organizations that care for the orphans and help us to be always generous towards orphans and widows. But now for you, if you're an orphan, you're saying, I want God to be my father. I want to be liberated from sin. I want to go from exodus into the promised land. Dear Lord Jesus, just pray to Jesus now and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, this morning I give my whole life back to you and receive the right to become a child of God. Forgive me of all my sins. I invite you into my heart. And I ask you to change my life by the power of the cross. If you've been an orphan because you've been wandering from the Father's house and now you're back, simply say, Lord, I give my whole life back to you. I run into the Father's arms and ask that you would embrace me again and welcome me into the family home again, Lord. Come, Lord. As we think about these thoughts, 
if you this morning have decided to become a Christian and come into the family of God, or you've this, you're running back as a prodigal, just for a moment, just raise your hand. And you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. That struck home this morning, and I'm getting right with God. God bless you. Anybody? God bless you. God bless. Santa, God bless you. God bless. I've been living like an orphan. I'm going to live like a child of God. Lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless. Anybody in the balcony? We've got a beautiful church. And we're all family. Father, I pray for those of us that need to, a revelation of being a child of God and not an orphan. Come to us and powerfully minister to us, Lord. And free us from that spirit, Lord. For those that are receiving salvation, fill them with presence. Fill them with your power. And confirm it by the deposit of your spirit in their lives. That they may be transformed by the power of the gospel, I ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. As we sing together our final song, if God has really stirred you, you need to action that. Then just come and kneel at the, here at the front or stand and I'll pray with you. Stuart and others are here to pray. Let the song do its work and let, if you need to respond in anything this way and step out of the boat and walk on the water, then here's the water Take the step of faith and come and get some prayer this morning. If you pray to become a Christian, you have to meet me. I will pray with you and explain how you can enter fully the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.